hockeys, the jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. RJ Salves and Eric Franson. 401, your start time here on a January 27th, Friday evening. Is it Friday? No, it's what? Wednesday. Wow. Man, dude. I wish. Dude, yeah, okay. It's Wednesday afternoon. I forget. Look, You've the, like really jumped ahead. Look, the Region 11 schedule, it's a Wednesday-Friday circuit, and so I thought, oh, it's Friday. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. Aren't you special? You knew what day it was. <laughs> yes. Oh. All it's right. kind of important. Well, you know what? There's a lot of things that are important here. Uh, welcome to the show. How are you joining us? Where are you joining us from? 1069 FM, 1390 AM, 1069thefan.com, or streaming on the 1069thefan mobile app. You can always text into our show from the mobile app itself or just via your phone, uh, 435-339-0321. Again, 435-339-0321. Uh, we got a lot to get into. Aggies Rebels in a pivotal game two for the Aggies. They cannot get swept in the series. Really need to win it tonight. We'll get into our keys, predictions, and a preview of game two. That game is at nine o'clock. Pre-game with Al Lewis will be a tad bit later, around eight thirty, uh, as we'll have the Logan Grizzlies Bear River Bears game going on. Uh, and then Jazz play tonight versus Dallas minus Donovan Mitchell, who's been who is now in concussion protocol. Uh, he's out tonight. That's a big loss for the Utah Jazz, who. Come off a grueling yet rallying win over the New York Knicks. Uh, one point down 15, then win by 14, which is incredible. That uh, was a really fun second half yeah. to watch. Well, the second half was. The first three quarters, though, I mean, well, I guess the first two quarters were pretty frustrating to watch Rivers just go off the way he did. Okay, is Tom Thibodeau the most ignorant and blind head coach out there? Yeah. I mean, yeah. oh, Austin yeah, Rivers agree. comes yeah. into the game. Yeah. Scorching hot, doesn't miss. Scores twenty five on ten shots. <laughs> Scores puts twenty five on the Jazz. It looks like he has no signs of slowing down. And Thibodeau pulls him, sits him on the bench, and leaves him on the bench for a long time. Yeah. And then when he comes back in in the second half, he's cold. He's just cold. The Jazz have made some adjustments. He couldn't get going again, and he was a non-factor. Jazz picked up some momentum, and Royce O'Neal got cooking. I mean, that was that just blew my mind. Tom yeah. Thibodeau, you've got a guy who was on fire, who last time you played these teams, they could not stop him. Let him cook. That blew my mind. dude. I, I mean, as a Jazz fan, I was happy to see him sit and happy to see him ice cold when he came back. But if you're a New York Knicks fan, how are you not livid? Well, he did that a couple of times with the Chicago Bulls, too, and I can't remember... If it was Zach Levine, I can't remember who it was, but someone had scored like 23 going into the fourth quarter. And I mean, it was just lighting it up. Probably Jimmy Butler. He then sits him for like the first five and a half minutes of the fourth. And they go from being up nine to being down 12. I mean, they just get ratcheted. And then he throws the guy back in. I can't, I, can't, I don't know if it was Butler or who it was. I can't remember. And he's cold. And it just they never got back into it. It's just it's Tom Thibodeau's way of coaching basketball, which is not 
there's a reason why he hasn't been or I guess won a championship as that coach or even came close. And- well, it illustrates my frustration a, a lot with uh, the NBA. It's not just isolated to the NBA. A lot of professional leagues do this. They go and they hi- they have a coaching vacancy. So to fill that vacancy, they go out and find somebody who has failed at multiple other locations and they give them a job thinking, hey, maybe this time it'll work. Yeah. I mean, where did he start? Minnesota? Uh, yeah. Then to Chicago. Then he went to Chicago. And then he was out for a bit, wasn't he? Yeah, he was on the lamb for a while. Now he's back with the Knicks. The crazy thing is he was a great defensive coordinator when he was with the Boston Celtics under Doc. Like, that was his Yeah, he had that was high praise. Dude, he was a great defensive coordinator. But you just see he's not a good head coach. Like he's so married to his rotations yeah. and going by the book. Yeah. He can't recognize flow. I was pulling. I mean, if I was a, I was happy. But if I was a Knicks fan, I'd be pulling my hair out. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, the Jazz cannot stop Austin Rivers for some weird unknown reason. But nope, let's pull him. <laughs> Sit him on the bench because I got to run my rotations. This baffled me. I was okay with it. But the other thing too that came out of that game last night is uh, Donovan Mitchell got smacked twice. Yeah. And as a result, he's been put into concussion protocol. He started feeling symptoms this morning. Now, one time he was smacked uh, by Austin Rivers across the face, got him in the nose. And then another time, shortly after that, Mitchell was going up for a rebound and I can't remember his name, tall New York center, got the ball basically. And and, uh, as he was coming down, kind of knocked Donovan to the floor and Donovan kind of came back and hit his knee, and he was slow to get up. So a combination of those two things, Donovan not doing great today, and so he will not participate tonight when the Jazz take on the Dallas Mavericks in Salt Lake City. I'd be surprised if he participates in a couple of days when they play the Mavericks again and again in Salt Lake City. Uh, 108-94 last night, your final score from Vivint Smart Home Arena. Jazz improved to 13-4, and 6-2 at home. Knicks now 8-11, 5-7 on the road. Jazz now a solo in second place with the second best record in the league. Again, let me repeat that one more time. At 13 and 4, the Jazz have the second best record in the league, and they're alone in that place. Pretty impressive. Gobert was awesome last night. 18 points, 19 boards, four block shots. Royce O'Neal had a career night of 20 points. Uh Donovan Mitchell. My man Royce. Oh, jeez. He was awesome in the fourth quarter. He was. He had some great really good. plays. Uh, Mike Conley was really good as well, 19.7 boards and 5 assists. Donovan Mitchell was very, very quiet. As you mentioned, Austin Rivers, just blows my mind, scored 25 points for New York, and all that was in the first half. Uh, Randall had 18 and 10. Barrett had 17. Uh, that, by the way, is the uh, Knicks' third straight loss. And, and the defense for the Jazz was so good that the Knicks, they made a total of 12 baskets in the second half. And and they shot fifty five percent from in the first half, and then scored twelve baskets in the second half. Thirty two points in the second quarter, only thirty five in the entire second half. It's amazing. That's amazing. And, and by the way, Rivers nearly yeah. So Rivers nearly outscored the Knicks in the entire second half. By by for his first half alone, I should say. 
that's that's just bad coaching by Tom Thibodeau, as you said. Uh, but uh, again, a, a great night for uh, for Royce O'Neal. It's good to see him show up offensively and have the kind of game he did again at career high twenty points. Look, when he's good offensively, we, we know what he can do defensively, but when he's that good offensively, boy, it it can be a good good defensive team and a really lethal team offensively. Uh, he was making some great plays. Just very aggressive, going to the hole. He uh, it looked like he was coming across to set a screen. And instead of giving the ball back to, I can't remember if it was Mitchell or Connolly, he just quickly turns and bolts to the basket. And we had to replay that a couple times in my house. We were having fun watching that. <laughs> but he was aggressive going to the basket. His shot was falling. He just he was in his zone. He was feeling it. And it was really fun to watch. And he was playing great defense, too. Because it, that's the thing with Royce. He, he every night draws usually nine times out of ten the most difficult defensive assignment every night. And so his offensive output usually isn't up very high because he's expending all of his energy on the defensive end. But last night was one of those nights where he did great defensively and offensively. Colleen Bogdanovich rallied the Jazz. Uh, they combined for 22 during the third quarter. Uh, Colleen had four made buckets, assisted on a pair as well, and hit four free throws during the quarter. And, bon- and Bogdanovich hit four, or excuse me, two threes. Uh, just awesome. And by the way, for O'Neal, we you know we talked about him just for a bit. Career best seven, you know, eight points is what he was averaging. He was shooting forty five percent from the field. Uh, it's it's incredible to watch that guy when he's able to get in rhythm offensively. How tough he could be. Now here's the problem, Mike. I mean, we celebrate that Jazz win as they rally over the Knicks one hundred eight ninety four. Bad news. You got Dallas tonight, and you got him without Donovan Mitchell. How much trouble are the Jazz in versus the Mavericks? Yeah, I mean, certainly when you lose an all-star, that doesn't help. But last night was a great illustration for the Jazz themselves that, look, Donovan can have an off night, and the rest of us can still do a lot of things to help this team win. I mean, Donovan only had nine points. He did have eight rebounds and three assists, but um, look at all those other starters. They were all in double digits. It's awesome. And he had 13 off the bench from Clarkson, Yang played well with nine points off the bench, hit a couple of threes, three threes, actually. Um, I bet you're excited about that. You get a lot of contributions from a lot of guys, and that team that's part of the the success during this nine-game winning streak is that we can have a lot of guys chip in and help out. So the question tonight is, um, well, twofold, and it was one of those was going to be a question no matter what, like who gets the defensive assignment on Luka Doncic? And what do the rotations look like with Mike Con- or excuse me, with Donovan Mitchell out of the mix? Does Joe Ingles become a starter? Or do you insert Jordan Clarkson into the starting lineup? If you do that, I don't I don't like Clarkson in the starting lineup. The yeah, I like I, I think because I brought up the idea God, I think last season and you you said no, like why would you take away a scoring option off the bench? What good? I, that's why they got Clarkson is to help score off the bench. Why would we remove that? And you were spot on too. Like, and I agree with you now. I just don't think you remove Clarkson off the bench. That is your really your best scoring option coming off there, and you need those points. No, and I agree. Uh, you need you need somebody who can help get something going with the second unit. Yeah, you need somebody that the opposing team, your starters, go out and they are still stressed. Like there's still a guy on the floor that can get anything he wants, so we still have to be on top of our game. So 
my my guess is Joe Ingles gets inserted into the starting lineup, um, and we'll probably see more of uh, Mie Oni. Would be oh, my yeah, guess. Oh, that's true. Good point. So uh, Royce O'Neal obviously will have. Well, who do you think has the assignment on Luca? I think it'll be a combination of Royce and Joe. Bogdanovich has got a tough assignment too because if if Kristaps moves to the four, I would expect Bogdanovich to be at the four as well to play him out. That's gonna be a tough matchup matchup for uh, for Bogdan Bogdan Bogdanovich. Right, because Kristaps I mean, Dallas will want Kristaps to come out and play on the perimeter to pull Rudy away from the basket. Um, and so if they if they do that, then it's gonna be really incumbent upon uh, Boyan. And Royce uh, to uh, to hold their own if guys try to mix it up down in the post. Yeah, Lucas just what scares me. Everyone else, I won't. I don't. I mean, I'm not gonna say I don't see he's a threat, but I think Luca's the one guy who can do whatever he wants on the floor, and that's what worries me the most. All right, so tonight's game versus the Mavericks is at seven o'clock, and then on Friday it's an eight o'clock start. That game is on ESPN. Um, Unsure if Donovan Mitchell will be playing or not. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, game one with Dallas here in this series, or I guess in this one, at least in this two-game set. And, and no Mitchell. Purely for entertainment purposes. I love how you have – we have to put a disclaimer there every time. Just for conversation. I, I'm grateful you do. I'm grateful you do, though. Just for conversation. Yeah. Uh, the Utah Jazz are favored by two and a half. Really? I don't know how that line has moved since the news this morning with Donovan Mitchell. Even without Donovan, it's two and a half, though, huh? Uh, wow. Dallas is a good team, but they're oh, not a great think, team. No, but they're, dude, with, I'm telling you, though, if Luka gets going, Jazz are in trouble. Dallas, they're currently eight and nine. Eight wins, nine losses. Mm-hmm. Jazz, by contrast, 13 and four. Man, I'm worried without Donovan, though. I'm telling you. If the playoffs started today, Dallas would be on the outside looking in. And the Jazz would be in the second seed. Yes. Playing who? Jazz would be playing That's the Phoenix seven. Suns. That would oh, be dude. a fun that'd be a fun series. Heck yeah. You know, there'd be a little bit of brouhaha too. Hey, looking at the rest of the NBA schedule from last night, uh Atlanta throttles the Clippers. No Kawhi, no Paul George, major problems. Uh one oh eight ninety nine is your final. In fact, the uh uh, for the Clippers, um, they shot eight of twenty-six from three, and uh, while the Hawks weren't really that much better, ten to twenty-six from three, uh, but uh, the Hawks beat the Clippers, and so that's why the Jazz are now alone in second place. It's because of that Clippers loss, and then of course Wizards and Rockets, Wall and Westbrook, one hundred seven eighty-eight. Uh, Wall and the Rockets win that bot, uh, battle. They improved to seven to nine, four and four at home. The Washington Wizards are three and ten overall. And this, with all being Westbrook, who goes uh, 19 points, 11 boards, 7 assists. Dude, Bradley Bill looks like he is in just Satan's home. He's in purgatory. He wants to get out of there so badly. You can just see it. He's like, "Why? who got Westbrook? Why did we get Westbrook? Why is, am I playing with Westbrook on the court? He's just so frustrated. Yeah, but Bill meanwhile, had a nice he night. took 28 shots, man. Beal had a nice night. Yeah, 33 points. Well, he went 12 of 28, though. Four assists, five boards, one block. It's not a bad line. It's just a bad team. That's the problem. You've got Westbrook and Beal and nobody else. (laughs) 
Nobody else. <laughs> uh, P.J. Tucker on the other side. Tate Cousins, Wall, and Aladipo, your starters. Uh, Victor Aladipo, man, 20 points. Like, I still don't get – I know it's a salary dump move, but the salary dumb move too. 310 from the uh, three, 7 to 21 overall from the field. Aladipo, again, 20 points, five boards, one assist. John Wall had 24 on 9 and 21 shooting and two boards and five assists. Hey, look still, at Tucker, 34 minutes. Zero points. He wasn't there to score. No, no. He was there to, well, he was there to talk trash to Westbrook, too. <laughs> I want to make that very clear. Uh, Eric Gordon was really good off the bench in 29 minutes. He had 20 points, four assists, two boards. Uh, and then House Jr. ends up with two points on one of four shooting. So, and uh, that's pretty much all your, I mean, major scoring from the Houston Rockets. Otherwise, Houston falls to 7-9. So, do you have the standings right there where we're looking at right now? Yeah. Hit me with Western Conference. Uh, so, the the, the uh, Lakers and the Jazz are, well, 1-2. and two. They both only have four losses. The Lakers have won one more game, so they're technically a half, half a game, game ahead of the Jazz. Uh, Clippers are third at 13-5. and five. Denver, Portland, Memphis, Phoenix, Golden State. That's your top eight. Give me Denver's record. Uh, Denver currently ten and seven. So the top three are pretty much running away from four through eight. And uh, the Nuggets have won four in a row. Portland's Grizzlies have five? won five in a row. Wow! And Memphis is at six, huh? Yeah. Yeah, Memphis is seven and six overall. Dude, I don't know. Record. I don't know what's gotten into them. That's incredible, though. Who's uh, who's ninth? Uh, that's San Antonio. Spurs, they're nine and eight. So same record as the they're tied with the Golden Warriors. State Warriors. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Man, that I'm telling you, that five through eight is going to be a dogfight the whole entire way. Like one four five game losing streak could probably knock you out of it. It's as bad as those teams are. I think a losing streak would probably take you out of it. So. Yeah, I'm surprised that the we'll see Dallas where they are. They've just they've kind of struggled. They're not. Uh, they've had some good games, but um, they're uh, yeah they they've haven't been looking that great. Yeah, they're losers of two in a row. I think too. Yeah, they've lost two in a row. Two in a row. They've lost five out of their last seven games. Oh, man, losses to Milwaukee, Chicago, Toronto, Houston, and Denver. Uh, six two nine four line opened at three and a half for the Jazz Mavericks game. Went to one and a half. And now has settled Jazz two and a half. Oh, okay. There you go. Interesting. So from three to one to two. That's crazy. I just don't. I would have the Mavericks favorite in this game without Donovan. Uh, did you hear what I just said about their yes, last I did. five or seven? I did. Six or seven games? But we're talking to, dude, if Austin Rivers can put up 25 versus the Jazz in the first half, imagine what Luka Doncic could do. Feast. Well, it's about who's who else is out there. Who else is going to do something? And Rick Carlisle is not dumb enough to take him out either. That's that's the crazy. Yeah, part. that's true. So <laughs> if he gets in a rhythm and he uh, and he gets going and he catches fire, Jazz are going to need to keep an eye on him. Again, Jazz Mavericks at seven o'clock tonight. And well, uh, we will not have it. Yeah, we want to be here. We've got right. Skyview and a big one. Uh, Skyview is at Green Canyon tonight. Yeah, that's a big one. So we'll have that here on the fan. No jazz, unfortunately. That's all right. You'll get the jazz Friday night at 8 o'clock. 
Hurricane John Newbold, he'll provide updates if he gets them. He'll yeah. update you on the score through the game. My man, Hurricane Newbold. Um, nine three one five text in. What does the coach and players for USU basketball have to do tonight to make this game at UNLV be a momentum a monumental standout game of the year for fans? I just win. That's all I care about. Like we just gotta win. We can't get swept by you or they can't be swept by UNLV. Yeah. I, That's all I'm worried about. I don't think they care if it's a monumental standout game of the year for fans or not. They just want to win by one more point. Yeah. That's what, and that's all they should have right now on their mind. It's just getting more points than UNLV. Um, really quick before we go to break, though, do you got a prediction for Jazz Mavericks tonight? And oh, give me a couple of keys too while you could. Um, I think keys for the Jazz is uh, um, have good ball movement. We see the Jazz are at their, at their best when a lot of guys are flying around. Everybody's touching the ball. It confuses the defense. Guys are out there feeling like they're engaged. They're part of the action. So. Uh, unselfish ball movement, um, and then everybody's stepping up their game. You know, Boyan Bogdanovich, he's been in a bit of a, a scoring slump this year. He's had a few games here and there where, that he, where he's been better, but um, I, I think this could be an important game for him to find that shooting touch. Um, and then just generally, you know, everybody else will have to raise their game yeah. in the absence of Donovan Mitchell. Clarkson's going to have to be really good tonight, too. Clarkson's going to have to put up, I mean, give me 20-plus and I'll be happy with Clarkson. Yeah, but Clarkson needs to be involved in the unselfish ball movement too because there were a couple plays where he just dribble, 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 dribble. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go between my legs. I'm going to back you down, and I'm going to move over here, and I'm going to juke you with my you head. Tell, there's a couple times Snatter's like, get moving the ball. <laughs> yeah. But um, I guess one last one too is just continue that great defensive effort. Oh, absolutely. And, and try to limit um, – Keep keep the ball out of Luca's hands as much as possible. Yeah, again, it's defensively containing Luca, which, as you said, I think Royce is going to get the majority of that time. Uh, and then two, uh, everyone's got to contribute on the offensive end. Ingles has got to score. O'Neill's got to have a good game. Rudy Gobert's got to be monstrous tonight. Uh, Bajanovic has got to be good from three. Spread the court, and everyone's got to score tonight. Because I mean, you can't just rely on Donovan to bail you out every single time. So. That'd be my other one. Uh, okay, my prediction is Mavericks 85, Jazz 81. Whoa, that's a really low-scoring NBA game. Love it. Uh, I'm going to say Jazz 111 and Dallas 108. Actually, I'm changing my score. I'm going to go Jazz. Sorry, I mean 107. I meant it to be a four-point game. Jazz okay, so 111, Dallas 107. I'm going to go different. I'm going to go – I'm. you're right. I'm looking at the averages of points and such. I'm going to be different. I'm going to say Mavericks 105, Jazz 101. Jazz still lose this game. Hmm. Do you want me to crank out the siren too? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Don't do no, that. No, don't do it. Don't uh, do that. Do we, let's see, we got what went wrong Wednesday. So text into the show, what went wrong Wednesday in your mind uh, in the sports world? Uh, I'm sure if you're Eric and you're a Tom Brady hater, you'll find something out of that, even though he's going to his 10th Super Bowl. But if you're me, you'll find something realistic and actually uh, what went wrong. Uh, we'll love to hear from you. 435-339-0321. What went wrong Wednesday? We'll also preview Aggies Rebels game two. Again, pregame with Al will be at 830 because uh, of Logan and Bear River basketball. And then uh, a very shortened postgame as well because of the late night start, which is at 9 o'clock on 
Excuse me on FS1. Get your pregame game with Al at 8.30 on 6 10 a.m. KVNU. Same station for the postgame as well. It's 106.9 The Fan on the Full Court Press. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio. The Fan. Full Court Press, 427 your time here on January 27th. It's a Wednesday, halfway through the week. What went wrong Wednesday? It is a Wednesday. It's not Friday night. Not yet. Eric, this whole day has been just a big blur for me, okay? I'm a little tired. I'm a little wired. All right? Got a long night ahead of me. Is that because I gave you some uh, some spud nuts today? Oh, dude, I cannot tell you how grateful I am for that. In fact, if I lose pick six, I will guarantee you a spud nut donut. So, yes, thank you. I actually thank you a lot because I've been craving those forever. It's just that my... Never mind. Uh, it's my big account. It's not as high to purchase the tasty ones that I want to get. Uh, some college basketball on tonight. Hey, two big games going on in the Mount West Conference. We'll start with this one. 7 o'clock, Boise State, Colorado State. We all know what's on the line here. This one's at Moby Arena in Fort Collins, Colorado, where Boise State 13-1 and on the season, 9-0 and in Mount West Conference play. Take on the Rams for 11-3, and 8-2, and and sizzling after their uh, split over Utah State. This could be – this is either a dangerous game for Boise State or this is a statement win that I guaranteed – for the Boise State Broncos. By the way, the line for guessing purposes and for fun is three. Now, the other day when we talked about it, it was even. Oh, yeah. So it's moved three points to the Broncos. Yep. That's That just signifies there's a lot of money going Boise State's way for those who are putting money on the game. Or guaranteeing a 10-point win. <laughs> but remember, <laughs> for the good of the Mountain West, Boise... The Broncos need to lose. For the good of my ego and my <laughs> self-just reputation, I need Boise State to win. Uh, no, I look. It, no, you're right. Though for the good of the Mount West Conference, Colorado State needs to get this game. But then you need Boise State to win the next game, and we need to go sweep Boise State. Like there's just all this hoopla, blah blah in there that you're just trying to worry about. But, look, Colorado State's a good basketball team. I think their speed is going to catch Boise State guard guard off a little bit. I still like Boise State as the all-around better basketball team in this one, and that's why I don't think this one's really that close. Well, Boise also hasn't played a tough team in quite some time. Uh, Don't know how that plays a factor. Utah State hadn't played a great team in a while, and they took care of San Diego State because they had momentum on their side. But then playing good, solid teams again and again and again eventually caught up to the Aggies. Uh, will it be the same story for Boise? I don't know. Uh, that game is going to be at 7 o'clock on CBS Sports Network. By the way, the Aggies, as you said, 9 o'clock tonight on FS1. Aggies are favored by 7. 7. Drugs or do you go with it? Um, I like Utah State in this one. Not by seven. But not though. by seven. <laughs> like, if anything proved to me in game one, I don't think this is going to be a, a blowout kind of a series that I thought it was for game one. 
I, I still think UNLV is a good basketball team. They're playing with a little bit of swag, um, and they're, again, on their home court. So yeah, I, I, I'm thinking more like four or yeah, five. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I like the Aggies winning. I don't think it's anything more than six, though. By the way, we do like war. Excuse me. Do you want your predictions as well in the Utah State Aggie game? Score predictions, uh, 435-339-0321, and then tell us your keys, predictions, thoughts, concerns going into this game. i uh, love to hear from you. Uh, Eric, this uh, – Look, the last time UNLV and Aggies met, we saw it. UNLV's three-point shooting was off the charts. As you mentioned yesterday, that is not a fluke. That is something they've been doing for a while now. That's their game. And how does so? How if you're Utah State, I know the obvious answer is just hit your shots and don't shoot 15% in the second half. But how else can you get going or at least to be able to match what UNLV's doing? Well, I think that to take the lessons and the good things that came out of of that game, and that's how well you played defensively in the second half. Build on that. You, the Aggies took away good open looks. They took away clean looks. They um, forced UNLV into a lot of late shot clock possessions, um, forced them to rush things a little bit as it, that clock started winding down. So learn from that and continue to build on that. And then if the shot's not falling early tonight – Find a way to work some things inside. Get uh, Attack the rim. Either get a, a, a layup or go to the free throw line. And then once that starts to fall, then take it, kick it back out for the open man. Um, it just I don't think they're really doing that very well uh, on Monday night. So uh, they're a good team. They're a good shooting team. Just everybody was in a slump. Uh with the exception of Marco, he actually he was doing that. He was forcing action, in the, especially in the first half, and he was benefiting from it. You could see it was working for him. But too many other guys were just settling for outside shots, and when they weren't falling, they didn't change their game to try to get get some rhythm going for them. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, you talked about look, UNLV's shooting is not a fluke, but I also don't think the Aggies. Horrible shooting in the second half is something that you have to be too strenuously worried about. I just think that the Aggies will put it together. They'll hit. I, I don't think Alfonso is going to go 0 for 10 tonight. I don't see that happening. Uh, I think they'll make some adjustments for Brock Miller to get looks. Um, I think Alf, I think uh, Ashworth will be a little bit more aggressive with his shooting. Um, and hopefully, Namish Kettle will come with a good mindset a ready mindset mentally and emotionally and physically to go out there and dominate this basketball game. Because as you know, we talked about, they dominated in the paint offensively. They were phenomenal. Um, and I I would hope that they'd go back inside the paint and they try to go that route again and that Keta will be ready to go. Yeah, uh, Keta can't get frustrated. He needs to stay engaged. Uh, if the, the ball's not coming to him where he wants or – if it's slipping out of his hands and he's not getting a call, you know, whatever it might be, um, he needs to stay in it uh, and just keep working. They'll find him, and uh, and he can make things happen. They know that any opposing team knows how special Keta is, and if they can negate him or get him frustrated or not thinking about what he's supposed to be thinking about, they're going to try to employ as many different tactics as they can think of. So... Um, there's got to be good ball movement there for the Aggies, getting lots of guys involved. Like the, the assist to turnover ratio has has been really bad the last two games. Sure. So they're not sharing the ball as much, and there's been a lot of unforced errors. 
Again, the crazy part of it, of all this is that the Aggies all-time in Las Vegas against the Rebels, 2-19. and 19. It's not really that great. Um, they went, what, 5 what five of 22 from deep in game one. Um, Rebels hit 13 threes, but I just, again, I don't think the shooting is going to be that bad. Two games in a row for the Aggies, who, by the way, have averaged around 76.5 points per game. They've allowed around just up, actually above 56 points per game against Mount West opponents. Um, huge improvements uh, from the non-conference to the conference play, but still got to find a way to get stops. Um, got to find a way to uh, to get back on defense and uh, and just continue to put a hand on the grill. Look, if they hit a shot with you covering them, that's just that's going to happen. Tap them on the button and go to the other side of the court. But you, what you can't let them do is get into rhythm with open looks. If you let them get into rhythm open looks, and they're going to be running tonight, they're going to run and gun with their offense, you have to be able to get a hand up. You have to close out on shots, um, or else this thing could get really ugly really quickly. Right, and I, and I think Utah State maybe needs to take a page out of Colorado State's book. Now, what did Colorado State do in the, in the second game against the Aggies? They pushed the pace. They took it at Utah State. And the Aggies struggled to adapt to that. Uh, can they push the pace against UNLV? Can they get out on the open floor? Can they run it down their throat as they attack the rim? Uh, they've they've got to be able to set the tone and make UNLV react to them. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I was just looking at a couple of uh, sound bites. I want to replay a couple of them, if that's okay with you, Eric. Uh, one of them being on Brock Miller. Uh, Al had asked... Uh, after post game, just about the way they were able to guard Brock and kind of just quiet him down. Uh, and this is what Coach Smith said about that and then have to make adjustments on him. They did. They were really face guarding him and really trying to take him away. And then when you watch everyone else, you know, they were really packing it in the paint. And I mean, there's a reason some of our guys had as many wide open looks as they had, uh, specifically in the first half. And we didn't, and we didn't make them pay. You know, I mean, I don't know how many just wide open threes that we had that way. So they were they were just basically in a lock situation on Brock and making it very very difficult for him to to get cl- to get catches within our offense. And if teams are going to guard, you know, teams did that with Sam a lot as well. And obviously those two guys are different players. But um, uh, then other guys got to you know step up to the plate. And we just had. I mean, I don't know how many clean looks that we had that we just we couldn't make. I mean, we just didn't make them. And then other times, like I said, where we just forced the issue that way. So if they're going to face guard one guy, then theoretically you're playing four on four with the other guys, which should be always the advantage to the offense. And so, but we didn't make them pay. And we're going to have to find a way because they're going to do the same thing in two days from now. Yeah, if you're the Rebels, I don't think you have to change too much because your offense was the same as it's been the past three games. Defensively, look, they did miss a lot of good looks, but I mean, defensively, you get a closeout. That's all you're really worried about. Um, but for the Aggies, they got to make some adjustments, especially get Miller some open looks. Yeah, I agree. You know, start running some staggered screens. Ah, there you go. You know, just keep him running around. Make them make them really work defensively. Don't just stand in a corner and, and hope that the ball finds its way to you. Yeah. And then, uh, Marco, on the mentality of this team after now losing two straight conference games, where they stand going into UNLV game two? I mean, we're just holding our head high. We know that this is, you know, this is basketball. This happens. Um, if we just leave our head down on games lost, then we're just going to keep losing games. We can't afford to do that. So, you know, we take the punch. Um, we learn from it. We watch film. And um, next time uh, we change the outcome. But 
it's really just a learning experience uh, and just never making the same mistake twice. And that's that's what we really value here. Craig Smith has not lost. Well, I guess he lost 3-0 last year in conference play, and, and two of them were just blowouts. He lost to San Diego State Air Force and UNLV. Uh, again, Air Force and UNLV just ran those guys out of their own gym. And then uh, San Diego State took care of business on Kawhi Leonard night. So uh, this this will be a tough one. Uh, again, I don't think it's a 7. Uh, the, the spread's 7, and I think that's just bonkers. Well, 1534 uh, texts in predicting 79-64 oh, wow. USU win. Okay. Three players with a double double. Do you know what? I love that. Yeah, great. Let's do it. Let's let's do it. Three. So Bean, Keta, and who else gets a double double? Maybe Marco. Maybe Raleigh. He's come close with points and assists. Nah, Raleigh ain't gonna do it. He's I, come close. I'm gonna say Marco. Marco's gonna get it with either with assists and points or points and rebounds. And Marco's been really good, too. I know he, he was struggling and finishing at the rim, and I think he's improved upon that. He was great last, honestly. He's pretty good in game one. Um, yeah, I'm going Marco on this one. 79-64, though. All right. <laughs> I like it. And you know what? That'd be huge. To blow out, I, I don't know if I call it blow I guess, yeah, to blow out the Rebels by 15 in their gym after losing to them would be huge confidence boost as you get ready for Fresno State with seven days off, by the way. Because you don't play till next Yeah, it's Thursday, a really big Saturday. break. Yeah. Really nice break for them. Which is nice. Uh, 3426 texts in, stop turning the ball over. <laughs> Even with the bad shooting. You win if you don't turn the ball over, especially non-dead ball turnovers. Been a killer. 73-65 Aggies. Okay, so he has it over the spread. 73-65 by eight. By eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know what? And 3426 is absolutely positively... All in, spot on. Like, 17 turnovers, Eric. Um, and I think it's like the what fifth game out of six or whatever that they've had double-digit turnovers. I mean, it's been a mess for them. And it's really stupid turnovers, too. Right. Smith talked about that last night. Like, this, isn't, this has been an ongoing trend. This was going on. This started even when we were winning games. Before this two-game losing streak, we were still having problems with this. So this is not something new. Like, how they're struggling with uh, handling the ball properly. Yeah, Alex, I think it's both. Uh, I mean, I anytime, anytime um, things aren't going the way you'd like to go, like them to go. I always look at how is you know what's our personnel like. Is it a personnel issue, meaning the guys that are on the floor? Is it specifically one guy? Is it multiple guys? What is it? Is it our scheme? You know what we're running. Um, whether it's our sets or are we giving our guys too much freedom, whatever it might be, or is it our coaching, meaning our teaching and what we're emphasizing in practice and what we're, you know, either settling for or, um, or do we have the guys in the wrong spots? You know, we run a, uh, <laughs> we run a play for Kata late, you know, later in the game and it's an easy post touch play. We've ran that play more than anybody or any other set we've run all year. And, we just throw it right to their five man on, while he's quarter fronting, you know, three quarter fronting us in the post. And that's been a very successful play for us all year. And so we run another play that Cato's wide open the first two times we run it and we don't hit him. He had a dunk both times. And then we run it the third time and he's guarded and we throw it right to the defender. So <laughs> like there's a, there's a, there's a lot of things right now, but 
you know, we got a young group of guys. We got a really connected group. They're a tight knit group. And so I know we got the guys in the locker room, but we got to find a way to get better and, and figure it out. Because like I told the team afterwards, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and expecting different results. And right now, the way we're turning it over, um, we got we to gotta adapt and adjust and figure some of those things out. And then here's Marco Anthony also on the turnover. It's a little bit more shorter of an answer, but still the same point. Well, I mean, that's that's the issue we've had this past these past games. Uh, even the ones we've we've won in that winning streak was uh, turnovers. We just really gotta um, value the ball better and just really concentrate on getting the ball first and then making decisions. And when we're making those decisions, making the right ones. So, I mean, again, it's just something you can't really hang your head on that, or the roller coaster is just gonna keep going down. So you just gotta learn from it. Yeah, they're gonna have to learn from it, and they're gonna have to be able to end this, this this issue soon. Because the longer this goes on, the bigger problem it's gonna be against good opponents like UNLV, like Colorado State, and especially Boise State. They'll kill you on that. So they need to get this fixed immediately. What do you? How do you fix the turnover problem, though? Well, I think it's, it's it's twofold. It's um, especially well. Let me just say it this way: it's twofold. It's concentrating on the ball. When you have it, and when you're trying to make a pass, make it a deliberate pass. Nothing lazy, nothing that's going to just kind of float over and take its time getting into its destination. And then when you're on the receiving end, go to receive the pass. Be aggressive in securing the ball. Uh, if, if you're floating away from it, if you're kind of lazy when it's coming to you, you're just providing an open door for somebody to take it out of your hands. Now, most of these turnovers actually are not in bad passes, they're on other weird things like dribbling off your foot or squirting out of your hands or a variety of different you know, silly reasons. So uh, I think it's just settling into the, the game plan and being confident in what you're supposed to do. If you start getting all caught up and nervous and tightening up and what's going on in the game, then that's when you're prone to make mistakes because you're thinking too much about making a mistake. I can't make a mistake. I can't make a mistake. Well, you're going to make a mistake because it's all you're thinking about. Got to go play free. Yeah. Got to go play free. Play free. Play confident. Exactly. And run the system. Yeah. And that's the thing is run the system. Play within the offense. Like Craig Smith's offense has always been meant to be a team ball system. Play within that. You'll get open looks. You'll get buckets. And uh, you'll put this UNLV team in a hole. Make them uncomfortable and see if they just want to, if they just want to quit after that. So uh, I would be... That'd be my coaching philosophy, but we'll find out tonight. Again, game time at 9 o'clock tonight. Pre-game with Al Lewis at 8.30, and then a shortened post-game immediately following the game. All right, let's wrap, uh, we'll wrap up the first hour. Coming back, Eric France and Aj Salveson here on the Full Court Press on 1069-1390 AM, The Fan. The new home for the Full Court Press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Uh, 
that? Yeah, why not? Let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, Eric France and LJ Salveson here on the Full Court Press. 4.50 your time. We're wrapping up the first hour. Aggies, Rebels tonight, 9 o'clock. Jazz, Mavericks at 7 o'clock. Uh, pregame with Al for the Aggie game at 8.30. A very shortened postgame. And then uh, Aggies will uh, be home for a while to be able to prep and get ready, rest, and then travel to Fresno State to take on the Bulldogs next Thursday and next Saturday. Uh, news came out uh, per Deseret News. We'll give them credit where credit is deserved. Uh, and then Barstool picked it up as well, uh, that Gary left $2.7 million on the table as part of a buyout, and in the words that uh, we've uh, that's been reported, saying, I don't feel like I earned that $2.7 million. Uh, and that's the second time he's done that. Yeah. He did that, something similar at Oregon State, even 12, though he was owed like $12 million It was $12.6 million in Oregon State. Uh, so the question, I mean, the question is, good deed, or do you think there's something more on the scene? Uh, I think that's consistent with with Gary Anderson. Yeah, um, me too. Uh, and, and while you know he had his pitfalls in this the second go around, and he struggled at Oregon State and struggled as a head coach here in Utah State his second time around. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think he's a high character guy, um, and I think he's proven that multiple times over. And not everybody could uh, does that. It's very rare that anybody does that. I mean, there's there haven't been as many buyouts this year and, and coaches fired uh, as perhaps there is in a normal end of a college football season. But all of those guys that did get fired, they're all taking their money. Yeah, they're millions and millions and millions of dollars of filthy money. Yep, and he's and again, I I, I think it's such a classy gesture because that two point seven million is a lot, especially when it comes to university money. And for Gary to say, you know what, uh, it, it can be used for better reasons, and I'm not that better reason. So I'm going to turn it back to you. Is is it has something to be said? And like you said, there is, you know, there was pitfalls, struggles, or you know, I don't know if problems is a word, but for him to turn around and say, take the take the buyout money um, for your guys' cause, and it says a lot, in my opinion. Yeah, look, it was a young team, right? Utah State. Lost some key guys. They didn't have a spring. Utah State is a developmental school. They really need the spring and a, and a solid off season to develop their own guys, and they didn't have that. And so, did they underperform? Yeah. Uh, I mean that 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 affected all teams everywhere. And that was tough, but it seemed to m- more adversely affect Utah State than others. Others, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Because yeah. if you're a if you're a team with a lot of uh, leadership coming back uh, and uh, talent coming back, you can kind of get through that. But when you are a Utah State team, you're trying to develop a lot of young guys and pushing them into positions they're not maybe ready to, to play, mm-hmm. and minutes they're not ready to play. Yeah, it's going to show. It's hey, going to be s- tough. Speaking of guys coming back, uh, Cash Gilliam's coming back. Uh, Devin Tompkins is coming back. Is Savon Scarver coming back too? Um, I don't know. There, there's there's a group of guys who have that extra year of eligibility and available to them now, but uh, I that's what uh, I think Blake Anderson and his staff is still trying to figure out. Like, who's going to come back? Who's going to still be here or not? They've been very aggressive in the transfer market. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but we don't know who's going to stick around. Like. Since this Utah State University and Board of Education, uh, Board of Higher Education decision came down about Noel Cockett, 
I, I think there's another big question here. How are those players going to react to that? Those players who could come back, will they still be here despite you know, these this investigation basically telling them they were out of line for raising these kind of concerns? They sided with Noel Cockett. They interviewed Noel Cockett and John Hartwell twice. They only interviewed them once. And 53 versus two, they sided with the two. So if you're a player, maybe you get upset and you don't want to come back. But maybe it's now it's a co- different coaching staff and it's a different situation. Maybe you let time pass and uh, you can get over it. I don't know. But I think that's what this coaching staff is trying to figure out. Yeah. Of these seniors who have that extra year of eligibility, how many of them are going to stick around for an extra year? Yeah, that's a good point. And what is our role as coaches to, to try to get them to stay or to gently encourage them to pursue other interests? <laughs> Uh, by the way, 9315 text in with his score prediction for the Aggie game tonight. He says, USU wins by 6+. plus. right. I like it. Okay. Confidence. There's a lot of confidence in this Aggie team tonight, including from the uh, great guessing team in wherever they are at, stationed. Las Vegas, whatever. <laughs> uh, 9315 also texts in, I think the coach of the football team is doing amazing with what he has to work with, and I thought Savon is coming back. And... I, I think he is as well. I've, if I remember, I've seen a few tweets that would definitely share that same sentiment that uh, Savon will be back, which is huge for the special teams. Yes, absolutely. For obvious reasons, yeah. By the way, um, speaking of Gary Anderson, you might want to give his son a follow. Some interesting conversations going on there with Keegan Anderson. Yeah, Keegan, uh, Keegan was a very well. It was a loyal Aggie and is very loyal to his dad, of course, and. Uh, had some thoughts to share with those who disagreed with his sentiment of his dad. Uh, really quickly, sit some through some things uh, that we may have missed through uh, throughout the first hour. Jason Wins retiring, uh, probably one year too late. Uh, Seahawks have released Willer, uh, who has been accused of domestic violence for strangling his girlfriend. Uh, That's never a good thing. Yeah, so that will do it. So he is now a, re, a free agent, but I don't know if he'll get picked up. Packers have fired their special teams coordinator for doing nothing wrong because it was the offense's fault. The SEC has opened up with uh, has opened their schedule with three Power Five matchups versus non-conference opponents. And Northwestern, how about this? Fitzgerald gets a ten-year deal as a reward for his success for this past football team. Uh, I have not seen anything on the money, but that will put him to the age of fifty-six. When uh, that 10-year run comes up on his contract, if he is there that long. Second hour of the Full Court Press coming up. Aggies Rebels game two. The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hi. How are you? Doing great. Thank you. Eric Franson, Ajay Salvas of 501, your kickoff time here on the uh, Full Court Press, hour number two. If you're just joining us, thanks for doing so. Hope on a Wednesday. A, on a Wednesday. Okay. I Okay, it was once. What? I said Friday once. I'm just excited it's a Wednesday. No, you're emphasizing that it's a Wednesday to correct me for saying Friday once. I know what you're trying to do. No, it's, it's a Wednesday. It's hump day. We're midway through. We're midway through. Yeah. Feels like it's been a long week, too. Uh, yeah, especially when you keep mistaking days for the end of the oh, week. Oh, oh. You know that what? Can do, that can happen. It, it can happen. It's called ageism. Wikipedia, it's real. 
Uh, Eric France and Armaj Salveson here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Uh, it's the What Went Wrong Wednesday, and we're going to get into that. So if you are just joining us, or if you have been joining us, it is time to hear your What Went Wrong Wednesday uh, grievances for the week. Let's hear them. What are they? 435-339-0321. Air your sports grievances out there for all of us to see, hear, share, and read. Uh, I've uh, got I've got a few of them. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, one like, of them's about you. Uh, wow, I, that's it. I don't see how that's possible. Um, one would be what went wrong with the Packers? They were given every opportunity oh, to come back and seal the deal. Uh, Tampa's up twenty eight to ten, and then they just crap the bed. I mean, they throw interceptions. They don't. They they can't finish drives. And the Packers, they're given every opportunity. Oh, so many chances. Every opportunity to come back and win the game. Questionable play calling, questionable play decisions. and Can't tackle as well. They you got home field advantage and on Lambeau Field in January against a warm weather team. And you can't take advantage and seal the deal. What uh, went wrong with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. Okay, hey, let me ask you really quickly. Do you blame the offense or defense more for that loss? Well, the defense, would, they were making plays. They yeah, were picking the things off. But they, they were giving them chances. But, they, I mean, you're, you're down 28-10 because your defense get, gets burnt at the end of the half. Well, there was a, yes, there was a bad... Oh, some pad awareness at the end of the thir- second the quarter. The Leonard Fournette run towards the sideline that ended up being a touchdown... Horrible tackle. Like he, I mean, he broke three tackles. Does the offense share the blame? Absolutely. I mean, the fight, he had four chances to score a touchdown, or three chances, I guess. And Lafleur didn't want to. Matt Lafleur didn't want it to be number four, so he decided to kick a field goal for no reason. Maybe what went wrong? Matt Lafleur being the head coach of the Packers. Just saying, he's not a bad head coach. Uh, okay, yeah, they've been to the NFC Championship twice, but they can't win it. It doesn't mean you're a bad head coach if you make it to the NFC Championship. You are when you take the game out of your team's hand. The decision to kick the field goal instead of go for it, yes, questionable. Well, it wasn't just questionable, it was wrong. Well, yes. <laughs> That's why it's what went wrong Wednesday. Uh, but what about all the other right decisions? No one talks about all the other right decisions. What do you mean right decisions? We focus on one or two questionable or bad decisions. One or two questionable that's bad the, decisions. One of the them is not of going for on fourth and goal. Of who we are. The other humans. one is allowing your defense to get burned because you don't want to put three guys on the goal line. What about everything else that led to the game, that led up to that game even happening, that put them in a position to have home court, or excuse me, home field for the NFC Championship game? The type of year they had collectively. Oh, so it's a moral victory. No, this, I will make sure they get Capri Sun drinks and donuts. No, or from Spud Nuts from Johnny. We O's. conveniently leave out all the good things that happen leading up because to it that. it doesn't no because it's always about the last game. It's like Moneyball. You are Brad you are Pitt. So much in the what have you done for me lately? It's only one yeah play because to that's play. how you should be. Oh hey guys, we went eleven and, or like fifteen and three or whatever it is and got to the NFC Championship for the second year in a row, but. Hey, we didn't win it, but we still had a great year. You're right. He should be fired. That feels really Clean good house, to be back-to-back Trade years. away everybody and start fresh. Hey, it worked with the Jazz, right? We gave away Tony Bradley. You didn't think he, 
You thought he should be starting under Rudy Gobert, or at least backing up Rudy Gobert major minutes. You wanted seven Royce O'Neals out there. Look what the Jazz did. They followed well, my advice, Wednesday. and what they had the second best record Ajay's in the league. Take. Uh, the list is long. Four, 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 six. People, st- no, it's not. People <laughs> still don't think Tom Brady is the goat. Okay, so you think Matt Lafleur is a great coach? Wonderful. Is Tom Brady the goat? I said he's a good coach. I didn't say he's a. I don't remember saying he was a great coach. He's a good coach. If you get your team to the NFC Championship twice, you're a good coach. But then you take the team, but you take the game out of your team's hand. And you allow yourself to cost the team the game. Again, you're focusing on one decision of many thousands of decisions made over the course of a season. Oh, so we're talking about, okay, so wait, we're happy that we made it to the NFC Championship. No, I'm not saying we're happy. I'm not saying we're happy. I'm just saying you need to recognize that he's a good coach. A good coach until he gets to big games. He he lost to Brady and the Bucks in the uh, regular season. And by the way, that was on him as well. Uh, and Rodgers. And then you get to the NC Championship. I mean, and, and by the way, they got outcoached last year's game. They, there's no way they should have lost to the Niners last year. And they got outcoached. Plain and simple as that. 7325, great point. If you can't convert on three Tom Brady interceptions, you don't deserve to win. Amen. Absolutely. It's true. You can't give Tom Brady fifth, sixth, seventh chances. Just can't do it. And they did. And uh, that's why Tom Tampa Bay is going to the Super Bowl. Tampa Tom? Tampa Bay. Dude, they're going to they're gonna name the team after him after all said and done. Dude, his first year there, and he takes him to the Super Bowl, it's going to be Tampa Bay after it's all said and done. And by the way, Tom Brady is the GOAT in football. And, and we're going to discuss this, by the way, on Friday, our all-time greatest athletes. That's going to get very, very tension-like in here. Be screaming and gnashing of teeth. Uh, I'm looking at 5763's text. Okay. Talk about what went wrong Wednesday. Oh, Bearstow's layup attempts Monday night. That's what went wrong. <laughs> I felt so bad for him. Okay, actually, I did feel bad for him. I was actually chewing him out um, watching the TV. I was screaming at him. What are you doing? Dude, did you see <laughs> Did you see the bench, though? <laughs> Dave Raglan has his hands in the air, and then all of a sudden his hands are on top of his head. Uh, uh. Craig Smith, same thing. Eric Peterson just puts his head down like, are you serious? Is this really happening tonight? I, I, Which I, is so, I felt so bad because he was having a good day. He was having a good game. And then he pulls <laughs> that, and then the next time he has a chance to go, he has a steal, and he has a chance to go in and make a nice layup. He's so concerned oh. about what happened last time. He like totally. Do you know what that overdoes game, it. You know what that game reminded me of, and I know it wasn't the blowout or, uh, that the game I'm about to mention was, but it reminded me a lot of the BYU game at the Marriott Center two years ago. Nick Emery made his first appearance back, mm-hmm. um, and I, I. By the way, I do not like Nick Emery. Uh, made his first appearance back. He banks in a three from like behind the hoop in the right corner. Yoli Childs hits a three with Namiya in his grill. Uh, I can't remember who, I think it might have been Breedle missed a wide open layup. And I think at that point, people were like, and I never, I think, no, it was after the bank and three from Nick. I'm sitting behind the bench, and Craig turns to his staff and says, yeah, it's not going to be our night. Says that word for word. And I just feel like, I think after Bear still lost to handle the ball, Craig probably looked over and just said, eh, it's not going to happen tonight. 
just one of the like how many times is Bearstow on a fast break alone gonna lose the ball? How many times is Alfonso gonna go 0 for 10 from the field? <laughs> it just doesn't happen. It's just a really weird night in oh, Las man. Vegas. I that that won't happen again. I, I I'm confident in saying that. Uh, nine three one five. What went wrong is all the bandwagon fans that now love the Bucks because Brady got okay. Hey, I know where you're shooting that at, and I've been a lifelong Bucks fan. No, you. I've have said, to. oh, no. yes, I have. No, you have. Yes, not. I have. Brad Johnson. All right, Steve Bono, Steve Young. Okay, these guys. Just because you can name former players who were on. Ward Dunn, Jameis Winston, Mike Allstott. No, don't. I'm not. <laughs> Those guys are years ago. All right, I cried tears of joy when John Gruden won us a Super Bowl <laughs> behind Derek Brooks and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I cried tears of joy. Sure you did. I am not a bandwagon sure guy. I'm you a true did. and loyal Bucks fan. You're, All right? You've turned that Tom Brady Patriots jersey inside out. No, but I bought me a new one. <laughs> of course you did. Because you didn't own any Tampa Bay gear before that. I I did, and then I just grew out of it. I just didn't, have, and I didn't have the you know the time or the resources to buy me more. So I need to go buy me some more Tampa Bay gear, and I will. I'm a big Tampa Bay fan, lifelong. Go Bucks! It's been a lifelong dream. Like you for the Cubs, this is me for the Bucks. It has been a lifelong dream for me to see this moment, and I'm thrilled. Three four two six. The interview of Aaron Rodgers. What is he supposed to say at the end of a season loss? I'm thrilled that our season come. Uh, the thrills our season. Come on, great moral victory, being the number one seed and not making it. Yeah. I get it. Like, he's, I don't know, he's upset. Uh, just but the, but the mysteriousness of how he answered the questions, though, of like, hey, so, you know, what's your future going to look like? Well, I don't know. In fact, I don't know what anybody's future is going to look like. I think there's a lot of people that's going to decide. Like, dude, just answer the question for yourself. Don't answer for your players and teammates. That's not your job. Answer for yourself. If you want to say, I don't know, that's fine. You know? I get it. He's frustrated. Oh, I would be too. You're one in four. And, and your coach cost you NFC the NFC championship, championship game. Uh, three, four, two, six adds. So... Ajay, are you a bandwagon jumper to the no! Patriots? Oh, that's, or a bandwagon, okay. bandwagon okay. jumper to the Tampa Bay Bucks? Okay. We discussed, that's a great question. No, this is an unwritten rule in sports fandom. Okay? Read the sports fandom book. You're allowed to have one team in each conference. Uh, hmm, I must have skipped that. Chapter. Yes, you must have. I thought okay? it was one NFL team. No, one team in each conference. It's been updated in 2000. Oh. 21 years ago, they updated it because of other teams coming, you know, and the buildup. I guess the, they, they had they expanded the conference. So, I'm a big fan of the Patriots, and I'm a big fan of the Bucks. Been a lifelong of both. What? It's a very short lifespan of yours, apparently. <laughs> no, it's not. With your fandom. <laughs> Three four two six ads. So you're a fan of the Lions and the Cardinals? Detroit. Cardinals, Detroit, and Arizona. No, no, don't you dare! All right, no, I've never been a fan of the Lions, nor should I be. I've never been a fan of the Cardinals. Never. I was. You know what? In fact, 
I rooted for Pittsburgh in the Super Bowl when they played the Cardinals. I wanted Larry Fitzgerald to lose. Is that because you were a lifelong Pittsburgh fan? <laughs> no. It's you, because I hate the you've Cardinals. Been following, you've been following Ben Roethlisberger's no. days at Miami no. and Ohio? No, I was following okay, uh, O'Neal, the quarterback in 95, Jerome Bettis, all right, Bill Cowher was a, was a big one of mine. All right. Uh, Lynn Swan, who was on that 95 team, mm. was really good. Yeah. Franco Harris. Were the Cowboys before that? Oh, oh no. No, that's a sin. <laughs> that's a cardinal sin. You you cannot be a football – you cannot be a Patriots fan and be a Cowboys fan at the same time. That's a rule. That's also in that book. <laughs> There's a lot of weird rules in this book. <laughs> Well, make it very convenient for AJ Salvis. It makes it convenient for two, you too, Eric. It works through things. Okay, if your team has only won one World Series in the past 86 years, you can pick a new team. You're allowed. God, what they're, what's happened to that team in the offseason is oh, it's so oh, frustrating. Man. Chris Bryant's turned into a drama queen, too. Oh. Anthony Rizzo's the only thing holding that team together. He's the glue. Hey, by the way, I wanted to ask you, what about uh, John Skiambi? Booger being the uh, new uh, TV voice for the Cubs. You know, you probably don't know who I'm talking about. No, I mean, yeah. He's called a lot of Sunday night baseball games with Chipper Jones. He's really good. I mean. Great. Oh, he's not the Harry Carey. Is that what his name was? No, it's, that's fine. It's just what, what's happening to that team. They're letting guys walk. They're trading guys away. They say, we're not going to. Tear it down just so we can build it up again, and yet they're basically tearing it down so they can build it up again. Theo Epstein's no longer there, is that right? Yes. But that that team is financially strapped. Yeah. So they have to shed a lot of uh, a lot of these contracts. And if you sad. look to trade Chris Bryant, what are you asking in return of him? <laughs> Anything you can get. Really? They have so many vacancies. They got so many positions they need to fill. You ask a lot. Sure. He's a good player. I don't Fair know. enough. Uh I don't want to go into that. But dark you know what? At right least now. you know, at least you're not the Braves team, who I was so confident would win the NLCS that I guaranteed they would win after being up three one. But the Braves have future. Choked. They have a future ahead of them right now. Uh they do. <laughs> the but Cubs the problem don't. Is, is that the Dodgers stand in the way. The Dodgers stand in the way. Mm, that's a very short lifespan for the Dodgers. No way. That team, in fact, I think if they were to face San Diego, as they are both teams, in a seven-game series, it'd be over in five for the Dodgers. Dodgers would win in five. That's how good that Dodgers team is. And they are well-rounded. Yeah. Because I don't think the Padres lineup is suitable one through nine. I think it's good one through five. They're Dodgers making moves. Up, they're yeah. They they're are proving to be oh, uh, being an aggressive. Active. Yeah, active. absolutely. They're they're trying to take it seriously. Absolutely. Uh, my guy Ryan, I love Ryan. Uh, did you just say that Lynn Swan played on the '95 Steelers? Oh my, yes, Lynn Swan, Franco Harris, uh, Lance Allworth or Stallworth, whatever his name was. Uh, then yeah. that other guy. Who played really well. No, no, Next Eric, that, I know the names. That other guy. I know the names. All right? 
That was a great Steelers team in 95. All right, with uh, the O'Neal dude. Who was the O'Neal dude who played quarterback? Bruce O'Neal? Was it Bruce O'Neal? Ryan, help me out. You're a Steelers guy. I, it was like Bruce O'Neal. Now, he sucked. I mean, he was bad. Luckily, he had great receivers around him, and their defense was good too, but just couldn't beat the Cowboys. Uh, uh, Greg, Greg, or guy Greg Madsen, Ted's back. Way back in 2003, baby, OJ was a Buccaneers fan. Now it's come full circle. Okay, timeout. I was born a long time before 83, or I mean 93, wait, 03. Okay, I was born a while back before then. Okay, and so I saw this great Bucks team come alive in 02. We, we, we were bad for years, yes. But in 01 and 02, we were really good. In fact, even in 2000, they were really were good. Were you even paying attention to the Patriots at that time? Yeah. Who were you following at that time? Patriots and Bucks. I've already told you this. You were following the Buccaneers. Yes. And then Tom Brady shows up and starts winning a, hmm, a Tom Brady guy. No, I was still Bill a Belichick. Patriots fan. Maybe Drew I'm going to start paying attention to these guys. Ben Coates. I know, I know that team. I cried when the Patriots lost the Super Bowl to Green Bay in 97. I cried. All right? By the way, Lynn Swan retired in 1982. <laughs> You're saying he well, was a, on a that's, okay, team. Okay, so see, it, it's confusing because you have... Um, what went wrong Wednesday in real time? Hold on. Ryan, text me. Swan, Franco, Stallworth all played for the Steelers in the set. Okay, listen. What what really matters <laughs> is I knew we had good receivers. All right? But I wasn't a, a true Steelers fan. I was just hoping they'd beat the Cowboys. That's all I was asking for. I still want to There's know. a lot of us who fall into that category. Just yeah. want to see them yeah. beat the Cowboys. See, that's why if I'm a Patriots fan, you're not a Cowboys fan. Plain and simple. If you're a Bucks fan, you're not a Cardinals fan. Plain and simple. Oh, it's Neil O'Donnell. I knew his name had no Neil in there somewhere. Or Neil. Neil O'Donnell, that's right. That guy was overrated. If he would have won the Super Bowl, he would have been more overrated than Trent Dilfer when he won it with the Ravens in 2000. Neil, dude, I remember Neil O'Donnell. He's the same guy. Quick story. I know we've got to go to break. Quick story, Eric. And you're not even paying attention, but our listeners are. Here, Listen to this. Okay, so the Jets are playing the Lions at Detroit inside of the Dome. And it's so loud when they go to the line of scrimmage that Neil O'Donnell looks back at the ref and says, they can't hear me. Like, he's, like, shrugging his shoulders. And the ref's like, well, what do you want me to do about it? You know, he kind of shrugs back. And he tries to call a play, and like it's so loud that Neil's like, turns, stands up, turns to the ref again, and says, "They can't hear me." And the ref shrugs his shoulders again, like, "What do you want me to do?" And then Neil O'Donnell, uh, I think they get called for a delay game. No, yeah, they get called for a delay game. Neil O'Donnell's livid, and he's yelling at the ref. The crowd's going nuts. The ref comes out, picks up the flag, and says, "There has been a warning on the crowd." You must be quiet so they can hear the snap. <laughs> a warning on the crowd? On the crowd, yeah. And if they were not quiet, they were going to flag Detroit for five yards. This is not a joke. Wow. So then they go back to the line of scrimmage. It's not as loud, but it's still semi-loud. <laughs> you can't tell Detroit fans to be quiet. And so all of a sudden, Neil looks back and he goes, it's too loud. And the refs are like, go. Neil tries to call a play, can't turn around, look back to the ref, and calls too, and says it's just too loud. 
Ref throws a flag, a five-yard penalty on the Lions. <laughs> That's who led the Steelers. That's who led the uh, Steelers to a Super Bowl appearance. Overrated in every way. And that's what began your lifelong love of the Pittsburgh Steelers. No, no, no. <laughs> Watch your language. I'm a Patriots guy, so I don't like the Steelers. They're rivals, remember? You don't know. You're not a Patriots fan. Lifelong like me. By the way, um, Joe Ingles is going to be in the starter position tonight for the Utah Jazz in place of Donovan Mitchell, who was out because of concussion protocol. Uh, but Quinn Snyder, according to Tony Jones, uh, Quinn Snyder says he does not know at this moment, if Derek Favors will be available tonight. Uh, He's had some ongoing knee soreness. And uh, they may not play him, which... You see more Odoko, Odoku uh, Azabuki tonight in, in his place? Do you? Or do you go with like a Juwan Morgan, who's had a little more experience? Not as big, not as talented. Here's the thing is that Oz has actually been really good. For the Jazz, even as a rookie. Oz has been all right. I don't know if you play him against Dallas, though. Jawan? I don't know. Do they if they if they play Chris Tapps at the five, oh dude, then we'll, you probably have yeah, to play Doak. Um but I don't know. Oh boy, that could be I'm telling you. Uh Jazz are gonna lose this one tonight. They'll split the series. They'll, they'll win one, but they'll win, or lose this one, but then win on Friday. Wow, that's big. Again, Donovan Mitchell's out. Concussion protocol uh, from last night's game when the Jazz rallied back to beat the Knicks. I can't remember what the score of that game was. Uh, 84 or 84 something. 88-74. Was that the score? What was it 108? What was the final score of last night's game, dude? For last night's game? Yeah. Was it 108-94? Um... <laughs> Something like that. I just had it up. I keep wanting to say ninety-eight, eighty-four. No, Jazz were uh, above one hundred. I, I have some Jazz were one hundred eight. Knicks were ninety-four. Yeah, one hundred eight, ninety-four. They were down by fifteen. Rallied back thanks to Coach Thibodeau pulling Rivers in the first half. Appreciate him helping us out there. Uh, and the Jazz rallied back and uh, turned a fifteen-point deficit into a twelve-point lead and won by fourteen. So. Uh, Jazz trying to continue the winning streak. They have the second-best record in the league just behind the L.A. Lakers after the Clippers last night got whitewashed by the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, but that was minus Paul George and minus Kawhi Leonard, uh, both out uh, with cautious, or I guess what is it, caution and protocol? What is it, COVID? Concussion protocol. Wait, concussion protocol? For Donovan? No, for Paul George and Kawhi. Oh, sorry. That was um, COVID issues, Yeah, COVID right? protocol. Sorry, contact tracing. Okay, yeah, there you go. All right, uh, what else went wrong on a Wednesday? 435-339-0321. What else went wrong on a Wednesday? We want to hear from you. Air your sports grievances out to everybody for us to read on air. It's like Festivus every Wednesday. Wait, what's Festivus? Airing of grievances? Feats oh, of yeah. strength? Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's crazy because I think that's an Indian holiday. The Aggies, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan.
Eric Franson, Optic South, and you're on the full court press. Uh, wrapping up um, for my final segment here coming up, as I'm going to be heading to Logan to the Grizzly Den, getting ready for Grizzly Bears basketball. I'll be calling the game in, in replace of Al Lewis. Um, that's an extreme disappointment for all of you. That'll be listening to the Grizzly basketball game. Definitely a role reversal. Explain. Usually Al's the one calling the game and you produce the game. At least that's how things were. That was way back when. Way back when. Okay. When I you're have, I've been young, upgraded. Young little uh Okay. Um Young little um What's the word I'm looking for? This ought to be good. You're like a little sprout. Poking <laughs> out of the dirt. So wait. What do you call uh, starting to grow? Okay, so wait, what do you call in uh, uh, our producer? What is he? Oh wait, <laughs> he's a nice young man. <laughs> Can't even do it. <laughs> oh man! Hey, to what went wrong Wednesday? Four three five three three nine zero three two one. A chance to air out your sports grievances. Your team. Maybe Eric says something really dumb. Oh, sapling. That's the word I was looking for. Sapling? <laughs> yes. Yeah, you probably shouldn't say that on air. You were like a little sapling. Dude, if Mr. Franson's listening, we are going to get a text message and it's not going to be That's not a word. dirty word. Yes, it is. That's a little baby tree. Okay. Sapling. Sapling? <laughs> going to sap something out of you. Wait, never mind. Well, well, now you've grown up into more of a, an aspen. <laughs> an aspen. What is your problem today, man? <laughs> God. That's, a, that's a real tree. Ass. <laughs> I don't know what's what's going through your mind. You got any wipes over there? Um, yes. <laughs> oh, Clor- you do. Clorox. Holy smokes, <laughs> you do. <laughs> won't, that won't be good for you if you. <laughs> Uh, Put them on your face or your hands. Uh, what went wrong Wednesday? Hey, I have something of grievance with you, okay? I gave you a bag of airheads. Wait, wait. <laughs> you did not give me a bag of airheads. Yes, I did. You threw them across the oh, room. Oh, you're being salty and now. And everybody, and they oh. made such a clatter. Everybody was in and the they, whole area. It made such area. a row, such a clatter. <laughs> everybody in the whole area was sprang like, from your chair to see happened? what was the matter. Did something break? When on the ground there was some airheads. <laughs> okay, that may have been a little bit louder than I wanted it to be. Everyone's like, whoa, what was that? And I love how your response, like your tone of voice makes it seem like you're disappointed in me. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> you made, you made Carolina that? jump out of her chair. Who? Carolina. Oh, that's her name. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, no, she didn't jump out of her chair. There's a wall sitting in front of you. You couldn't have seen. She laughed at me. She thought it was funny. She was frightened for her life. She was. She thought it was hilarious. Anyways, give me a percentage of how many your kids eat those and how many you eat. Um, It'll probably be 80-20. Yeah, I'm going like 90-10. Maybe 95-5. and five. <laughs> Because that's, that's what you do. I give you something yummy and you're like, hey kids, guess what we got? Trying to watch my weight. Really? You know, New Year's resolutions and whatnot. Is that after or before you've been having steak and lobster every day of the week? <laughs> <No>. Huh? 
<laughs> All right. Uh, again, Aggies, Rebels tonight, game two uh, of this series. Eric, would you call this a must win for Utah State? Yes. Me too. Oh, and I think Utah State needs to play with desperation. Like, this is a must win. To have multiple quad three losses. Now, I don't think it'll end up being a quad three loss. I think UNLV will continue to climb. But to have multiple quad three losses and zero quad one wins, committee's not going to let that kind of a team in Yeah, as an at-large. Uh, give me your thought right now, just a prognosis. Some CBS Sports has four teams in for Mountain West Conference. Uh, ESPN has three. Right now, as it stands, how many teams would you put into the Mount or into the sixty-eight team field from the, from the Mountain West Conference? Three seems more realistic. Yeah, me. me too. I think it'd be awesome. Sure, if they get four, and maybe it's kind of a round robin thing here, where Boise and Colorado State, Utah State, San Diego State, they all kind of even each other out, but they're still all really good and still stay high in the net rankings. That's a possibility, but. I think it's probably more realistic that there's three. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to say four right now. I, I, I'm with. You. I think three is where we're at. But again, you kind of need that cycle of everyone's kind of sharing and caring around the Mountain West Conference. Meaning, you need Colorado State to beat Boise State at least once, and then you need Utah State to beat the Broncos twice. So I'm actually looking at Joe Lunardi's bracket right now. He only has two. Also, he's updated now. Then last time I saw it was three, and that was like two days ago. Yeah, San Diego State, he's got them as a 10 seed, and Boise State as a 9 seed. Wow. So he's got um, Utah State on the first four out. Okay. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I still think the three is realistic, though. I, I do stand by that. You need, by the way, Colorado State and Boise State play at 7 o'clock tonight on CBS Sports. Um, I would like to... I'd like to see a split. I don't think it happens in game one, but I think maybe in game two, Colorado State takes gets the better of them. By the way, quick update. Derek yeah. Favors is in. out because of back soreness, lower back soreness. No Donovan Mitchell, no Derek Favors. Okay, so, so can I change my score then? The depth, uh, how that uh, rotation and how that depth gets used tonight will be really interesting for Quinn Snyder. I want to change my score. Let's go... Oh man! So okay, well, let me ask you this then. Before I, who plays? Juan Morgan. I think he gets minutes, um, but I think it'll be a split between him and um, Doko uh, Azabuki. I still don't know if I pronounced his name right. I, I call just him call Doke. him Doke. I've been calling him Oz. I like Oz. Sounds close to Oz. Um. <laughs> yeah. Sure. So I, I think Oni, I think Mie Oni probably gets a few more extra minutes in rotation tonight. Um, but it will be interesting to see how they handle the bigs. If the because Dallas has had some big guys out with injury, but they're supposed to be back tonight, so they could go big and cause problems with the Jazz in the paint, which might mean they go with uh, Doak a little bit more. Um, but Rudy's going to have to play smart. He can't get into foul trouble. If he gets into foul trouble. And there's no Derek Favors to bring to come in and, and spell him and, and give him a break. It's going to be a long night. Well, the other problem is is Kristaps Porzingis presents a problem because he can play so well from the perimeter. Something that Rudy's not really good at guarding at. So if he's will, okay guarding, he's improved. He's improved, but he's still not that good. I yeah. 
I'm still, I'm not in the mindset that he's good enough to guard Porzingis on the perimeter and be comfortable with it. There's no way. Absolutely no, no way. Dwight Powell, Willie Cauley-Stein, those guys are available. And so those are centers that that are versatile. Uh, Dwight Powell can be a little bit more physical. Um, and who knows, they may even go with Boban for certain stretches. He's just really big and lengthy. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. How uh, big of a night does Luca have? Um, I think he gets a... He, why not? He's, he's averaging a triple-double practically every night, so I think it would be hard for us to expect anything less. He's probably going to be 25, 10, and 9. Shoo. Yeah, he's... Uh, I, and I just... I don't know. Like I think Royce is a good defender. I don't know if he's good enough to, to hold down Luka Doncic, though. And, and if Joe ends up being switched on Luka... Luca's going to have a really big night. Well, and it really, I think, depends on how well do the Jazz defend Tim Hardaway Jr. and oh, Josh Richardson. I forgot Richardson, about him. Uh, if he plays. Trey Burke off the bench. You know, So how well do they limit and stifle some of those other role players? Is Trey Burke? Oh, yeah, he's still in. Luca's going to be able to – I mean, Luca does amazing things. He's, he's hard to slow down. But uh, I think the difference could be don't, just don't let anybody else get hot. I uh, and the other problem I have with this is if Luca does catch fire, like you thought Austin Rivers was a problem, I got and I said this in the first hour. Rick Carlisle's not dumb enough to take out Luca. Like he's just or he's, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. If he yeah. gets going, ah, uh, Tim Tim's a problem. I don't know if he has. Well, never mind. I, I was about to say I don't know if he's as consistent, but he is. So I'm gonna not gonna say that. Um, okay, so my final score, I'm going to change that now. If Derek Favors is out, along with Donovan Mitchell, uh, let's go. Let's go 115-101 Dallas. Wow. You went from a jazz point, a jazz four-point victory. No, a jazz four-point loss. Oh, you went, that's right. You had it flipped. You had a jazz four-point loss. Now it's going to be an 11-point loss. No, oh, 14-point loss. 14-point loss. Yeah. Ooh. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't feel like the Jazz, without Derek Favors, so you get help off the bench, and you're asking either Oz or Juwan Morgan to help out. I just don't see that being a, a solution. Are you changing your score prediction? Are you keeping it as is? No, um, I'm, I'm going to change it. Uh, what was I? One eleven to one oh seven. Yes, I'm going to say one oh one oh three to ninety eight for the Jazz. Oh. Wait, really? Without Donovan, I think it'll be a more defensive focused game. I'm just surprised you have the Jazz over hundred points without Donovan. With all due respect, got faith. Yeah, you definitely do. You are not a bandwagon jumper. You're Dallas right. averages 109 points a game. They give up 110. The Jazz average 113, and they give up 105. So the Jazz are the better offensive team, and Dallas will allow you to score. So that's why I think as a team, 
the Jazz will still give themselves a shot in this one. All right. Well, hit it. 115, 101, Dallas. Oh, hey, if it's one of those predictions, all right. Oh, wait. Okay, hold on. No, wait. Time out. Oh, hold on. I should I should only sound those sirens on special occasions. I apologize. No, when you give those predictions, no, it I, always no. goes the other way. I'm I'm that's different. This is different. This is more casual. I shouldn't have sounded the siren. I'm sorry. That's my bad. I should not sound the siren. Uh yeah. I would say 115-101 Dallas. Um all right. Well, uh let's take a break. Yeah, let's get into the Utah State uh, again real quick, and then uh, let's let everybody know what's going on with Region 11 tonight. Who's playing where and how you can follow along. Yes, let's do that. Because Mr. Uh, future Hall of Famer has got to go. And, uh, you know, as the Hall of Famer is going to be, we have, a op, we have a Hall of Famer board op doing the game tonight for the uh, Grizzlies. It's a rarity. It's a cool Special theme. Special occasion. A present Hall of Famer. And a future Hall of Famer in the same broadcast. Very rare. Very special. Hope you all tune in. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and AJ Selvison. 9463, <laughs> is it time to consider Tom Brady the best athlete of all time? I'd put MJ and then I'd put Tom Brady. Again, MJ never lost. True, but MJ walked away from the game a couple of times. Michael Jordan went and won three in a row, left the game, went and played baseball, came back, and then won three in a row again. If Tom Brady were to leave, go play baseball, come back, Tom Brady would not be the same player. Weekdays from 4 to 6, 1069 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Eric Franson with you. AJ had to sneak out. He's on his way to get ready to call the Logan High Grizzlies. They are taking on Bear River tonight. Battle of the Bruins, as it's formally called. You know, tonight's a really big uh, rivalry night. Bear River and Logan, uh, they've had a long history of rivalries over the years. Um, when they were in the 3A classification, it was either Logan or Bear River that was always at the top of the state in that classification. Uh, just two uh, historic schools. A lot of great games in their history together. So that game is going on tonight in Logan, in the Grizzly Den. Uh, it'll be on two different places, two different broadcasts of that game. So Ajay will be doing the broadcast for the Logan High Grizzlies on our sister station, KVNU. That's 610 AM, 102.1 FM, the KVNU mobile app, and you can also find the stream on uh, kvnutalk.com. And then Clint Payne, he'll be calling the action for the Bear River Bears on uh, 104.9 The Ranch in Box Elder County. And you can find it, uh, the stream for that game, on the uh, 104 The Ranch mobile app. So a couple different ways to follow that game. Uh, Logan playing really well in region play. Bear River's had some moments. They're kind of right there in the middle of the pack, so they're looking to move up. Logan looking to move up and secure a better position in region and RPI standings as well. Uh, tonight uh, for Green Canyon, they're hosting Skyview. So those are two teams very close to each other. Student bodies used to be part of the same uh, group. Uh, previously, though, it's more now 
it's uh, just the Skyview Group and just the Bear, uh, the Green Canyon uh, Group as uh, they've been open now for a few extra years. But uh, Skyview and Bear River that game, excuse me, Skyview at uh, Green Canyon tonight. And uh, Hurricane John Newbold will be on the call here on the fan, pregame at about 645. It'll also be simulcast on Light FM 100.9. You can also stream it on the 106.9 The Fan mobile app and 1069thefan.com. And then one last game to tell you about another rivalry game here, kind of a similar situation to the Green Canyon-Skyview situation, Mountain Crest and Ridgeline. These two teams do not like each other. After Ridgeline split, and uh, that student body got split and started that new school. And they have not really liked each other much since then. So uh, that game tonight in Millville at Ridgeline. And uh, Dave Simmons will be on the call on 104.5 The Ranch and also streaming on the 104 The Ranch mobile app. And the Mountain Crest uh, game will also be simulcast on 107.7 FM. So a lot of different places to follow these games and to follow these teams. is a very interesting night in Region 11 on our family of radio stations here at the Cash Valley Media Group. Uh, as uh, it, there, There's pretty good disparity and um, uh, separation in Region 11 with the RPI rankings for the boys. The girls, very compact. So uh, interesting to see how that continues to play out. Uh, Ridgeline with a big win last night. Kind of struggled against Skyview and then started to get it together and um, took the lead, almost lost it, but they were able to, to finish out to get the win as uh, they stay on top of Region 11 in the RPI uh, rankings. So uh, we'll update that later tonight. We'll have the updated, uh, uh, we'll have the photo galleries online on cashvalleydaily.com. So make sure you check back online uh, later tonight. You'll see those games. You'll be able to relive them in picture and uh, see some of the exciting action as it played out in these uh, different venues uh, throughout the uh, throughout the area in Region 11. Uh, quick timeout here in the Full Court Press. We want to come back. Some last thoughts about Utah State at UNLV. It's a late game for the Aggies. What can they do to uh, kind of right the ship? They've been off the last couple of games. They're in the middle of a two-game losing streak. What do they need to do to prevent it from becoming a three-game losing streak and get themselves back to, uh, to, to staying at or near the top of the Mountain West Conference? We'll talk about that coming up next right here on the Full Court Press. The Aggies are number one here. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Eric Franson with you here on the last little bit of the Full Court Press. Before we get into the Utah State Aggies tonight at UNLV, uh, Ron Counts with the Idaho Statesman uh, reporting on the uh, coaching staff salaries at uh, Boise State as they've come together and put this team together. Their salaries are are being revealed. And uh, their defensive coordinator will be the highest paid assistant. On their uh, on that staff, expected to be about two hundred and eighty thousand uh, dollars. But former Utah State interim head coach Frank Miley not that far behind. Um, according to uh, the documents that have been obtained by the Idaho Statesman, 
Longtime USU assistant Frank Miley. He is going to be the assistant head coach there in Boise. He'll also be the defensive line coach. And he's expected to make $260,000 in his first season with the Broncos. Stacy Collins, former Aggie assistant coach, he's expected to make $225,000. So some former Aggies getting paid in Boise. Uh, for the Aggies tonight, for the basketball team, um, this, this is a game where Utah State needs to make UNLV react to them. I, I thought they did a much better job in the second half defensively. Keep that going. They did a much better job of taking away good, clean looks for the Rebels. Make them really work hard to get any looks that they do get. And meanwhile, just got to make shots. I mean, the, the Aggies had their opportunities. Uh, just got to see the ball go through the hoop. If the outside shot's not working, bring it in. Attack the rim. Um, and, and really just keep shooting. Eventually, they will fall. Uh, and then the other thing, too, is just clean up the the, the turnovers. Got to play um, confident and deliberate. So no lazy passes. Um, you know, Run your routes properly like you're supposed to. Be in the right position. And play loose. Have fun. Uh, yes, they've lost two in a row. Um, but... And, and, UNLV, that's a tough place for the Aggies to play. They have a hard time getting wins in Las Vegas. But they've just, uh, you know, my hope is that they've spent a lot of time in the gym just putting up shots and getting comfortable with the sight lines and feeling comfortable with the gym and the arena. Um, UNLV is going to come out and try to put up a bunch of threes again. They're going to try to use their individual athleticism to overwhelm the Aggies. So Utah State has to use their aggressiveness, and their uh, their ability to to lock things down defensively and use that to translate into offense as well. How well will they do that Will could very well be the defining factor in this game. Uh, Got to have more help off the bench. Um, you know, Bearstow had four points. That was it. That was all the, the offensive output they got from the bench. And frankly, he could have had four more if he doesn't fumble to easy ones. So I wouldn't expect it's going to be such a bad shooting night for the Aggies like like it was on Monday. But they have to do other things than just making shots if they want to get past UNLV. They learned this is a good team, an aggressive team, not a bad defensive team. Uh, they haven't played as many games as the Aggies have. But uh, they're a good team, not to be overlooked. And this is just a that's a UNLV coaching staff that has historically known how to coach against Craig Smith and his teams. So, what kind of adjustments does Craig make uh, after the game? He talked about maybe changing personnel. Like, who is that? Is it just in how they're used in rotations with the different lineups on the floor at any given time? I don't know. So that'll be curious for me to see. How does that change? Or just the very threat of that. Does that help guys kind of get dialed in and settled in a little bit better? Uh, I, frankly, I don't really know what options are, are there that we haven't seen. Uh, but it could be a matter of who sees how many minutes on the floor or who plays with what other players. So I, 
that'll be interesting to see how that gets changed, if at all, tonight. But you know what? If uh, if the Aggies get back to what has what made them great earlier in the year, they'll be just fine. And that's ball movement, helping each other out, everybody connected, uh, running a lot of it through Nimi. They'll be fine. Um, I, I still like their chances. I like their chances tonight. I don't know if I like them by seven. I think UNLV will still be a good team. I'm thinking Aggies by five. Again, the game is on FS1 at nine. Al Lewis pregame coverage starting as soon as the Logan High game concludes on KVNU. And then uh, FS1 tonight on a late night starting at nine o'clock. And by then, the uh, Boise State-Colorado State game will mostly be decided. So could be very interesting to see how that might play out for the, the standings in the Mountain West Conference. You know that'll be part of the discussion. Have a great night, everybody. We'll see you back here tomorrow.